Accountant. I told I forgot where the recording sign was, and all of a sudden you're looking at me. I was like, oh, I guess it's time. <laughs> uh, this is the part I don't get. I'm Bay. And I'm Jay. And we this have is hit episode. <laughs> it's the big four zero, isn't it? Oh yes. Woo! Over the hill. <laughs> I thought fifty was over the hill. Um, I think it's forty, but you know. 50 is the new 40? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so today I went back to the chiropractor. I haven't been to the chiropractor in like a million years because I haven't needed to, thankfully. Mm-hmm. And I told you how I hurt my back. I tilted my sacrum. The sacred sacrum. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he told me. So he tilted it back for me. Ow, that tilted sounds it back for me. I mean, I'm a big believer of like physical therapy and chiropractic um, medicine. I think that it helps. I already do feel better. It still hurts. It's essentially like my right hip, like the back of my right hip. Um, so whatever will work. Because I was going to give, I was going to just tough it out, you know, and then it just wouldn't go away. So I was like, yeah. we need to do something about this. So he just like bends it back to the place it should be? You lay on a table, on a, well, tab- yeah. on a table. Uh, face down <laughs> with your head in like the little yeah the, it's like you're getting a massage and then he like I don't know if other chiropractors do this but he like you like lift up your leg and resist and then he like you pushes on the leg and then you like resist and then he like touches other parts of your body it's like okay I can tell you're weak over there so then like because of how hard or how little you resist he can tell like which sides you're weak and stuff Oh wow! So then, and then from you saying like where you hurt, they can like figure out what's wrong and which way it's facing and stuff like oh, that, which is like pretty X-ray or yeah, anything. which is pretty impressive because I thought I was gonna have to like wait for an X-ray, but I didn't, so that was pretty yeah. awesome. So and then like, just get physical therapy. <laughs> apparently, he tilted. It was tilted to the left, and it was not supposed to be. So then he just kind of like goes boom, boom, like pushes on my hip, but it sounds like it hurts, but it doesn't. Yeah. The only thing that really hurts is kind of like essentially what could happen in a bad massage where he's like poking you with his finger. It's like, does that hurt? How yeah. does that feel? And you're like, yeah, that's a little tender when you're touching me like that. Yes. Yeah, you're like touching. <laughs> yeah. When you push into my bone. <laughs> but I told her, I'm like, keep on doing it. Whatever you got to do, man, make this, this, uh, this crap go away. So I feel better. Um, but my right, my right, uh, posterior. Is uh, <laughs> it's hurting me a little bit. Um, but well, I got a, a COVID test today. Woohoo! So, yes, it was, was it up the nose. Uh, yes, but not all the way up. They let you do it yourself. Okay. I don't know if this is like and a did different. Did you cheat? Uh, well, no, you don't have to go all the way up. They said go half of an inch, and I was like, how much is that? And and then you do like a swirl around. I was it okay. was tickling. I was starting to tear up a little. Yes. You just kind of like you know, wave it around and then you hold it for like 10 seconds. And really? Then you- okay. Yeah. The one that I did was in the throat. So I was like, your throat? yeah, well, you know, like when you get your strep test, it's kind of like oh, that. Okay. So yeah. I was like, so I guess throat's probably not 
an accurate term because they probably couldn't stick it that far down. Um, no, no, but sense. I was freaking out about the nose and I was all, I was like gearing myself yeah. up and I was like getting ready. Like, okay, you can do this. Yeah. That is like, so open your mouth. Like, Wait, are you going in through the back? <laughs> like, <laughs> I just think yeah. of like mummies and then they like took their brains yeah, out. Yeah, I'm like, are, are you going to touch my brain? Yeah. And then I, but saw, there, I think there's all sorts of different ways they can test now. Yeah. I mean, then, then the antibody test is a blood test. I want to get that one too, just to see. So how long do you have to wait if it's through your work? Three days. <laughs> That's nothing. I had to wait a full oh, really? week. Oh, yeah. okay. If you go to like CVS or right time or um, like an urgent care type thing, it's like a week to 10 days. But if you get it through oh. like a more official, like you're working for the county, right? Yeah. So like it's more official. So, you know, you don't have to wait as long. Or if you do like the oh, drive through tests, you know, that are like in parking lots and that are set yeah. up all over the state. I think it's like three days too. So that's awesome that they can get it to three days because, but if you wait seven to 10 days, like that's half of the right. quarantine I mean, you time anyway. Exposed- tons of people yeah I mean I guess you're supposed to quarantine but yeah well I did I mean this was way back when yeah I like, mean I didn't even I don't even think I have it but I was like yeah might as well well if they're offering it to you through your job you might as well it's better yeah better safe than sorry so you don't infect me although I'm not gonna lie I'm a little apprehensive till I get that official call like <laughs> <laughs> like you never know well you're pretty you're you're a little on the superstitious side like me I guess yeah or maybe it's just plain old anxiety. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's more anticipatory anxiety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's why I always have to pee. Like, before anything. And I know. I probably like don't really have, have to pee. And in fact, that would be a great topic. Yeah. <laughs> why do you feel like you have to pee? Like, before you go on stage or something like that. Yeah. Or before a big trip or big car ride. Yeah. <laughs> But um, really quick, I did want to say, I have, what have you been watching on Netflix? Because I wanted to share this with the people. That if you were a fan of Game of Thrones, which I know you were not, but I highly recommend checking out The Last Kingdom on Netflix because it is similar to Game of Thrones in the way that it's like, it's a period piece. It's about like uh, ninth century England. There's lots of kings and queens and battles and warriors and honor codes and fighting and stuff. I know you would not like this. And I'm really surprised that I like it too. I am really surprised that I like it. And I think it's just because the characters are so interesting. A decent amount of them are real people that actually did exist. And um, the main character is so attractive. Why didn't you lead with that? I mean, like, those blue eyes are just so oh. piercing. <laughs> and Tell me why you watch it. And he's a Viking, so he has, like, the shaved side situation going on, and then oh. he's just got, like, that top that pony. Every time. That, that is the do for me. I mean, my husband had that for, like, a while, but every time he was in public, he would wear his hair down to, like, cover the shaved side. And I always try and encourage him. I was like, let's make that man bun happen. Let's be one of those people. But he's like, I don't know how. I don't know how to do it. You know, because he's a dude. I know. Oh, I guess guys don't know how to do buns. They don't know how to do it like we do. Well, they made it work somehow because it's a huge thing. I just like that. I like that look a lot. I think it's very sleek. I know it's like becoming a thing, the man bun, but I'm all for it. 
I'm all for it, especially the sides are shaped. I don't know. We, we've worked hard to master the bun and they just like throw it up there and <laughs> the, messy, the messy bun. There. But that's what I'm watching on Netflix and that's what's getting me through these past two weeks of quarantine. So I don't know if you wanted to share. Uh, well, I, I, I texted you this already, but I, uh, this is actually Hulu. Um, thanks to my, my, my brother and his girlfriend, uh, <laughs> their password. Um, <laughs> it's a show called Shrill, um, based, I think it's actually based on a book I saw. Um, okay. It's got, um, A.D. Bryant from SNL, um, and it, you know, it, it just tells the story of, you know, she's overweight and kind of all the, the bullshit that she has to put up with, with guys and with her, her mom, who's like super like, oh, are you sure you want to eat that? Amen, sister. Yeah, and and like, (laughs) um, just, and just very, very like, you know, kind of says passive aggressive things to her and, and how she's always like been really nice and kind of like let people take advantage of her. And now she's kind of learning to, to stand up for herself. But well, then I feel I, a little overboard. <laughs> I think I need to watch that then. Because that's yeah, a fantastic no, I, description of the show. <laughs> that's like my entire life. <laughs> I know. I kept thinking of you when I was watching that. And I was like, yeah, Rebecca will appreciate this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, yeah. It's good to have these things to keep us going. This, yeah. Uh, something lighthearted. With my sacrum, it was hard to keep my spirits up. So, it's good. It's well, good I'm glad, I'm glad your, your sacrum was tilted back. <laughs> so I think is it your turn I believe I so turn. yes and you said that you had a topic quote for once is what you told <laughs> me <laughs> but I did all the research like yesterday and today <laughs> still counts okay so uh my topic is um a service that is now available to folks oh gosh uh, <laughs> they now you. have services to get to win your ex back. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> um, thank you to my mom who um, was talking about this. She knows someone that actually used this. Um, oh, my gosh. Really? Yeah, because I was like. And then your mom knew someone who married themselves, too. Yeah. Your mom knows all the peeps. It gives me a lot of good topics. <laughs> I love it when it just falls in your lap like that, too. I'm like, oh, like the light bulb goes off in your head. You're like, yes. so anyway this this actually seems like i I guess we're in the wrong business but it's these people are making good money off this so um i looked up a few of like the big the well-known ones i guess um so they're they call themselves breakup coaches um (laughs) great so uh one that I came across a lot was Lee Wilson, who is a 38-year-old uh, married father of two. He is on th- from his website, which is myxbackcoach.com. Uh, he is a relationship expert slash breakup coach. He's done tons of um, magazine interviews, TV shows. He did a TED Talk. Um, wow. And his, I, I had to read this quote from the website. He works with individuals to become their most attractive selves in order to bring success in relationships and to reunite with the only one they love after a breakup or marital separation. Um, he is act, he has absolutely no qualifications, <laughs> no license. 
So um, he started relationship coaching in 2001. I'm sorry, let me take that back about the, the qualifications. So he did work at a nonprofit um, that does marriage counseling um, and he would travel with the president. I think he was kind of like his assistant because it was right out of college. And he would go to these workshops with the, the leader of this nonprofit who would do, um, you know, he would do workshops and seminars about, um, you know, I guess if your marriage is in trouble or how to, how to get through like um, a divorce or just, you know, just overall things that married couples go through, just problems that they run into. Um, and then all of a sudden, one of the marriage coaches um, in the company passed away. And so they had this guy, Lee, take over um, just temporarily. And then all of a sudden he says um, he was taking in more clients than anyone else. And like, you know, his career, I guess, kind of took off. So he ended up doing it, you know, being his own little consultant and starting the site. Um, <laughs> the only thing that, <laughs> the only thing he has on his bio about like his qualifications, other than he got like a degree in, I think just humanities or something like that. But um, he says, um, his, the website says, military testing placed Lee in the top 1% in pattern recognition and decoding speed. That gift helps, helps him identify situations, solutions, and often to project outcomes. So he can solve a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> Therefore, he can solve your life. Exactly. He can decode that shit. <laughs> so he can figure, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's helpful. I just don't see where the two connect. But, but I will give him that he did do the, the whole, he worked for the marriage counseling nonprofit. So maybe he's got some experience from that. I'll give him that. Um, it's interesting that in our country, we have marriage counseling nonprofits. I know. I did not know that um, we did, to be honest. Like, I mean, I I'm all for marital therapy and therapy yeah. in general, as long as it's like, you know, from a professional <laughs> licensed therapist, um, or even some homeopathic type stuff, like even like if there's sound therapy and stuff like that, but I don't know. I don't know about that nonprofit. Like, I feel yeah. like, uh, maybe we could, I mean, but I don't know. I yeah. Don't know. Cause it doesn't say anything like the fact that an intern can, or whatever he was can just take over like that makes me a little wary. Like what are the, <laughs> to counsel these people he's stepping up to the top right away yeah right so um the services he offers he has uh coaching calls for a low low price of 87 dollars for half an hour oh my gosh <laughs> mine is like a hundred for the full hour yeah and yours is with a license person. with a licensed therapist yeah. yes <laughs> Not some random dude. <laughs> no. Um, he ha now he has, because he's been getting so many calls, um, apparently he's like two months booked out for the call. So he made an emergency Ooh. breakup kit for $47. Oh. And it's uh, a series of videos. And, his, um, and he says it provides uh, the following results. It'll make your ex miss you. <laughs> okay. Uh, it'll, it'll convince your ex that you were, well, this was for the, the girls. It says, convince him you're the only girl in the world he really wants. Okay. And number three, make him fight for you. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. Bring it. And, 
and his techniques, he says he, um, they revive, uh, you will revive his attraction for you. You will get past his defenses against you. Like, like meaning like, you know, if you want to talk to him and he's afraid, oh, she just wants to get back together. Like they kind of talk about finding a, like a random thing to talk about that has nothing to do with the breakup. Like, like being like, Hey, um, can you like, you know, asking a question about, you know, politics or something or something totally random, or can you, can you help me with this? Uh, my, sounds like a friend that we know. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's right. like, I'm bored. I need to talk to you about something. <laughs> I don't know. That's just what that reminds me of, that technique. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a get your foot in the door type thing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then um, the other, the last technique is illuminating negative memories he has of you. And I think what they they talked about with that was like, like planting like the seed for like, oh, remember when we had this great memory to like, I guess make him remember the good times and make him miss <laughs> you. Um, Those good old times that led to us breaking up in the first place. Right. Yeah, because, you know, once all that's settled, everything will go back to normal. Everything will be good. <laughs> yeah, and then he has an emergency marriage kit, which is $75, and there's absolutely no information about what that offers. Oh, I, I'm ready to pay my 75 for I nothing. know. <laughs> No low price. <laughs> but on on all the websites I looked at, they're like, you know, as typical sales pitch, like, don't look at this as, as a payment. Look at it as an investment. And yeah. it's like, how much would you pay it? What if, what if I came up to you and said, I can get your ex back? How much would you be willing to pay? Hundreds yeah. thousand? Guess what? It's only 75 or it's a down payment on your future. Yeah. So he claims that his success rate is 75%. He, he claimed his system was studied by Augusta State University and that they found that it had a 75% chance of saving a marriage. And I'm like, there was no like reference to this site anywhere. It just kind of was on the website and I couldn't find much about you know, where this actual study is. So I think it might have just been one of those, you know, maybe he sampled some people and, you know, maybe it was like a, you know, kind of like, you know, oh, I did my own research type of thing. Yeah. I don't think there's compiled research from other people and then said right. it was my own. Like, yeah, he sampled the people he knew, like, did well. And then, okay, there's my data. <laughs> so he says he takes 19 calls per day and has over 4,000 clients, which is crazy. Um, that should and most likely is an exaggeration. How is that possible? How do you maintain that? Well, I mean, when you think about it, like when you're in that state, like you're very vulnerable and you'll do anything. Yeah, I, I believe that. Yeah, like if you were broken up with especially, I would think, um, you know, you'll cling on to any like glimmer of hope, especially if there's someone out there who says, Hey, I can get you back with this little kit, you know? Um, so I think, I think that's a lot of it, but, um, 4,000 people. Well, you know, he had a Ted talk, so. (laughs) Oh, that's true. That is true. (laughs) He had a little microphone on his face. That that gets the word out. 
page. I'm what? sure he had some graphs. <laughs> Maybe you and I should have a TED talk. Seriously, I mean, if you're confident enough about something, you can sell it to anybody. I tell you. I will say that the TED Talk people are awesome. Like, I want to know: do they have a teleprompter, or do they just memorize everything that they say? It's a good question because, because that's a lot to memorize. They always look because yeah, a lot of them are very long, and they always look so confident, like you said, and they always like really know what they're talking about. Which I mean, sounds really stupid because of course they do. This is a show about that, but it just, I don't know. It just seems like the most intense atmosphere to have a conversation. Yeah, because I can't imagine, I would, even for this, I always have at least an outline. I couldn't just go off the top. Maybe they have someone there, like, or maybe they have a, like a set list or something. I don't know, but, but it, it, it always is kind very of like impressive. Free talk to me, but it is very, you're right. It's very, you know, it's, like they're telling a story, but it's very yes. well organized. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. Who is Ted anyway? No, okay. <laughs> that's another <laughs> topic. No. TED's got to stand for something. It can't be somebody's name. But I used to oh, think. Yeah, that. that's true. I bet. I bet you're right. Um, and then there's another um, another breakup coach that that was very popular named Natalie Juarez. Juarez. <laughs> Juarez. J-U-A-R-E-C. Yeah, Juarez. Um, like the town. So, yeah. So she is, she has a program called uh, Win Your Ex Back. Okay. Yeah, it's all like similar versions of the same title, but um, so she says she went through a broken engagement and then after that she had a bad breakup where she was cheated on. And so there was this period of time between 2011 to 2016 where she went on 88 dates and she knows this because she ate. Yes. Wow. Her friend was going out on weeknights. I know, right? <laughs> well, I used to do that because I didn't like wasting my, my weekends. <laughs> I remember you telling me you going out on like a Wednesday. I'm like, really? I know. Rough, rough time. I'm like, it's not like, when it's you have to go to like, when you have to like go to or something. You're like, yeah, eh. I know. Take yeah. that public transport. I know. Just, you better be good. You better pay it. <laughs> well, never worked out, did it, until the very end. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and she then she said she went to see three different therapists, and then she read over 100 relationship books. Man. So girlfriend got a little obsessive, Just but hey, whatever you have to do to get through it. But I guess that apparently makes her an expert now. Uh, <laughs> of course. Talking about, it was very like, it, it, it was like that thing that Oprah was into, the secret. Yep. She kept saying, I found the secret. I think we've mentioned that before on here, and I think I've said it already, but I will say it again. My mom <laughs> loved that shit. And she totally bought like the DVD and like the book. Oh, yeah. I, I think, think it's like, like that woman is like Australian or something, and she's probably making, she's probably made a trillion dollars off oh, of I'm, that. If, no, that's if an Oprah endorses thing. you, you are set for life. Mm -hmm. That is like the golden ticket. <laughs> so she's a little more um, like, I guess she says she's more honest and she's like, I don't use manipulation tactics. She says, you know, to be honest, there's only a 10 to 20% chance of actually winning your ex back. So she is a little more like upfront about that. Okay. Um, she also offers one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions over the phone. 
um, and she kind of lists out the steps that she um, that she does with the clients, I guess. So she has you craft a letter to your ex. Um, she says this is very successful. I don't know if that means like a handwritten letter or typed, but that to me seems a little dramatic, but um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's an email. <laughs> I feel like that's like a rom-com, like, you know, yeah. third act move. Right. Like there is, what was that? oh gosh, that movie After, he writes, he writes a letter to her and that's like the end. Wait. But it's not even a letter. It's like paper for his professor and his professor hands it to her and he's like, I think this was meant for you more than it was. Wait, who's in that? <laughs> uh, some some girl that I've never seen before, but okay. the guy is British and he actually is uh, like Ray Fiennes who plays Voldemort in Harry Potter. He plays young Voldemort because he's Ray Fiennes' nephew. And that's oh in real life yeah in oh, real life funny. um so they got him to play him because he looks obviously similar right. to him um but he was actually a really good actor he was also very attractive but he had nonsensical tattoos for no reason but that that's like exactly <laughs> what happened that's, that's what happened. It. It, it bothered me the whole entire time i had to google <laughs> so many pictures of him just to figure out if those tattoos were real and all of them were fake um, oh, they I guess they the all movie. they all made him like a bad boy, I guess. But that's oh. what happens at the end of that movie. He writes her a note or a letter. Oh. And yeah, we just right. assume they get that. back together. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that would work. I just I don't know. I, I, I keep thinking of uh I know you don't watch the show, but 90 Day Fiance, and actually mm -hmm. that same thing happened with one of the women, like she broke up. Well, they kind of mutually broke up with each other, but then he shows up at her door and tries to give her a letter and she like rips it up and throws it away. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's very lifetimey and rom-com. Yeah. Um, and then she offers 24 seven email and tech support. She gives you some resources, including books and articles. Um, I guess it'll help you get your ex back and then she develops a social media strategy um and that was that was another thing that all of them talked about which was the the no contact period which they say is very important in getting your ex back because you can't come off too needy exactly to give them the space that they want and respect their boundaries so they're saying like it kind of depends on the how long um you were in a relationship but it sounds like it's anywhere from 30 to 60 days of like it also kind of sounds nothing, you kind know? of sounds like it's a little bit about that chase you know yeah that's true well it's kind of like it kind of gives them the sense of like oh they're moving on or they're like doing okay without me which you know some people think oh if i break up with them they're gonna like their life is over and their life will be finish. miserable yeah yeah definitely know of people that that has happened and <laughs> They've gotten back together. <laughs> but anyway. Um, I've then, known some people who should have given it that little break. <laughs> and didn't. <laughs> you know, some people who just could not let it go. And just really <laughs> needed to give it back. I mean, let's just give it a week. You know, because even for your own mindset, like, you got to have a second to sit with it before you know, is this really worth it to even pursue this for yourself? Exactly. You know? And like, if you're 
constantly around that person there's just no way to really know because they have that reminder you know yeah you have to know what it's like to be without them because this is a potential at this point if you're broken up and you have to like i think realize that you can be without them yeah and show them that but i mean it's kind of like an itch that you can't scratch i guess yeah. kind of thing. like it's much easier said than done i'm sure yeah I'm not very mentally strong, so I shouldn't talk. <laughs> I'm so serious. I'll literally tie your hands back if you're ever in this situation. I, I mean, like, I, I lucked out, and I have a great husband now, but <laughs> there, there were some dark days. I know, right? Leading up to this moment, like, some, <laughs> some, some dates that just should not have happened. But, like, when someone would, like, like I, I could totally see myself, as much as I'm making fun of this, I could see myself paying for this kit. You know, because like, yeah, if you're in the right state of mind, it's yeah. kind of like, it's kind of like when you, you're on a diet and like, you know, you've been on a diet for a while and then all of a sudden someone comes and dangles like a donut in front of you or something yeah, like that. And you're like, you know, if I was in a normal state of mind, I'd say no, but like, I'm just, I need it. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, you want, everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants affection. Right. Nobody wants to be alone. Yeah. Even well, now, maybe. it's probably even Well, more. alone in the sense of like, you know, not like totally alone, no friends or anything. Yeah. You want, you want someone to share your life with, your yeah. memories, your moments. Even if it's a pet. Yeah. <laughs> so um, she, she talks about this personalized recoupling plan that she has where she first well, this is good. At least she does this. She assesses the likelihood of a healthy rec reconciliation. So she kind of like talks to the person about, you know, what happened with a breakup and where they see it going to make sure it's appropriate. Um, and then she talks about healing from the past and that's where the letter comes in. And then she talks about building authentic communication. Um, so it sounds a little bit more like not as manipulative like the other one or it's just like it I don't know the other one was just I don't know it it sounded like it was very like you're gonna get her back you know or him back <laughs> and so she is she is quite expensive she is uh $700 for a four-hour retainer I'm like what are you a lawyer <laughs> I know uh, and then it goes up to 1500 for a 10 hour retainer. Oh my God. Yeah. I almost I, feel like I, she's a private investigator. I know, something. right? And like, all this with her being upfront in the, in the beginning saying that the likelihood of this working yeah. out is only like 20%. And she's like, but no matter what, you'll know you've tried your best. <laughs> sure. Great. These people are just like good salespeople. Absolutely. And then the, the other one I saw, and I actually watched a little, he had like a podcast of like an interview with somebody that he helped. And um, his name is Chris Cedar. And his is called The Ex-Boyfriend Recovery. And his his is only $47. So he's... Okay. Side. And he, his is more, um, his is a 30-part PDF. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot. That's a lot of homework. Yeah, 600 page book and and then a Facebook a private Facebook group 
um, you get all that for the low price of $47. For the low, low price of yeah. $47.99. coaching is like separate, but you get a discount on the coaching if you buy that. <laughs> yeah, oh, he was the one with the degree in humanities. And he on his website, he said he conducted his own studies and research about, about uh, break, breakups, I guess. I don't know. It's just all BS. But he does bring up a, a, a psychology um, term, which I feel like it was very loosely connected to what he was talking about, but he was talking about the Zegernick effect. And it's basically the idea that people remember uncompleted or, or interrupted tasks better than completed ones. So like if you're, um, if you're studying and then you take a break and like, I don't know, play basketball or something and then you go back to studying you're more likely to recall that information that you were studying rather than okay. if you studied for like a whole you know a whole hour okay so he says that he kind of compares it to um like reaching out to your ex but not making it like almost making it kind of vague like not saying you want to hang out but kind of like creating an opening and then leaving them hanging and it makes them want more. <laughs> um, but then on, according to Wikipedia, other studies have looked at this Zegernick effect and, or Zegernick effect and they haven't found the same results. They, they found it like there was no difference. Okay. So yeah, it's definitely a stretch. It's 50-50. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think these people are just, maybe they think they're doing the right thing, but I just think they're personally taking Making it worse. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's just crazy that like, I don't know. It's like we need, it's like we'll pay money for anything now. I know. Well, the, the results are in. Did your mom's friend, did she end up getting back with, so I'm assuming it's a woman. Yeah. So she, um, she was able, she got him to say, he was gonna meet up with her but then he didn't end up showing up so yeah so she got him like talking again but and they told her i guess exactly what to say um <laughs> like it was something about like um like you want to get together and talk about stocks or something <laughs> like stocks and bonds yeah like i don't want to but then he didn't show up and so now she has to wait another like two weeks okay you know? before she can do anything so it's very i guess methodical okay um, yeah but, I, but I i can see them getting back with the person like it working to manipulate them back into like like moving back in or going on another date or giving it a second chance but yeah. who's to say it's gonna last exactly that's my thing like it's it's a band-aid yeah, exactly mm -hmm. like yeah like i'm like whatever the issues were before they're still there yeah nothing has yeah. been solved right like you either both need to go to some sort of counselor together yeah or do some serious soul searching and work on yourself and kind of you know figure out a yeah. is something i want to get back into like you know who's kind of at fault i'm sure it's a little bit of both most of the times but yeah i i don't know I, like and it makes me wonder like are we all as human beings that like predictable that people can come up with a formula of, 
like <laughs> well like clearly doesn't always like work. here's something yeah but i was really curious i'm like man i wonder i was trying to think of like <laughs> anyone that i mean but i wouldn't want to put anyone through that but i'm like i i would just be curious like if i knew someone other than you know my mom's friend to like do a little case study and just, <laughs> I, i'm just so curious of what what the hell can you write 600 pages about you jay's know? case study yeah and this one the one guy he had like a series of youtube videos um i'm just like wow that would be a little bit of a snooze fest for me but yeah um, i watched like half of it just because i was curious the the one guy that i watched the podcast he was actually like very nice very like well they would have to be yeah very like selling their product <laughs> very he's young he was attractive i'm like well that probably helps selling <laughs> yes and like probably. i did kind of find myself buying into it a little bit when i when i when i listened to the podcast because i don't know the girl that that they interviewed just seemed like very put together and, and very like mature and you know she didn't sound like a ditz or like someone that was you know just being taken advantage of <laughs> Cause she was the one who broke up with him. Oh. Like, of course she's like married now and all happy. Supposedly. Very successful. I'm sure. Yeah. So, <laughs> but you know, the, the skeptical me is remains skeptical. And I think this is just a way to make money. <laughs> well, that was a good topic. I like it. I Thank like you. it a lot. You always find like the craziest crap that people are currently doing. I know. <laughs> well, I think a lot of it is like now people just search, like when you have a question about anything, you just search it on the internet. I know I do. Like when they should be emailing us. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You should be emailing us all your questions. Yes. Even if it's how to get over next, we'll help you. <laughs> Oh my, gosh, my I don't even know what I would say to that. I can't get a dog. Get a, get a, get, get a house plant. Get a hobby. <laughs> hobby is a good one. I don't know. <laughs> well, mine, that was, that was very good. Mine, actually, I struggled as per usual on um, my, what, what to do. So what I ended up doing was um, I turned um, a fan email into my topic. Oh, look at you. So, uh, part of it is just answering the email and the other part is just me doing a sidebar that was connected. So I'll read the email and then answer it. Okay. Um, that is the formula. Okay. So, <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, Jay and Bay. I was thinking of something I don't understand earlier. And instead of Googling it, I thought I'd hand it over to you. So here it goes. How does art restoration work? How does a painting get to the point where it needs it? What does the restorer do to fix it? Are they basically just copying the original? And how can they screw it up so badly sometimes? Like that painting of Jesus that was restored and now looks like a monkey. <laughs> Answer if you can. Love the podcast either way. Keep up your great work, Richard. Uh, so I... Um, <laughs> I am myself an artiste, so I felt that this was best. That was perfect to answer. for you. I know. Uh, uh, taking it back to the banana story. Uh, so I, um, and it's interesting because the because where you were, you're wearing the shirt right now. 
I heard that the college that you went to actually has like a really good art restoration program. Um, and it's like one of the best that there is actually, I think, because there aren't very many of them left because it's a combination of like being an actual artist and science because depending upon how old the painting was, you have, you know, have to use the similar or same materials. And a lot of those things aren't, are not being made anymore because a lot of them are toxic. Every time I think of art restoration, I just picture that scene in Titanic where they're like scraping the mud off of that picture. Oh. <laughs> That's my idea of art restoration. That's probably more like art conservation, which I found through the research is different. I guess it's just yeah. like protecting it rather than restoring it. So let me answer the email and then I'll go into my topic. So art restoration is basically any attempt to preserve and repair a work that's condition has suffered anything from paint loss, <clears throat> excuse me, wait, hold on before I start, let me just open this puppy. <laughs> open this puppy. <laughs> Shameless plug, Diet Dr. Pepper, <clears throat> keeping me going. Okay, so <laughs> any artwork, and it doesn't have to be a painting, um, it can be architecture, it can be a sculpture, it could, could be a painting, um, any artwork that has suffered paint loss, weakened canvas, tears, water damage, fire damage, and even insect damage, which is pretty gross, um, sun damage, and things like that. So the goal when you're an art re restorer is you want to stabilize that current artwork, and you want to return it back to or as close to the original form, the original artwork, and preserve that artist's original idea and original intent. Um, so in a way, <clears throat> to answer Richard, they are kind of sort of copying the original just to make it the same. So the thing that usually happens the most is just time, because, you know, over time, you're going to have more sun. Over time, you're going to have more chances of it getting moldy or bugs getting to it and just deteriorating over time. Like, for example, like I've done oil paintings, and if you don't prep your canvas enough, like that oil, the paint will literally eat through the canvas over time. And you can like see it on the back and it stains it and everything. So a lot of things just don't stand the test of time. Yeah. Uh, so for example, like the Last Supper, which is a very famous painting um, done in the 1500s, was made. <laughs> You're kidding, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I was about to be, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, uh, that was a made in a, like a type of paint. Um, and it was, it's, I believe it's outside. I believe it's on the side of a wall. Um, and it was exposed to like climate conditions and that accelerated the decline. So there is a science behind restoration and it has changed over time. And a lot of it was very complicated, um, but essentially things have changed over time. A big moves were made in like the 60s to kind of make things more up to date and make it um, easier for things to last. So they x-ray the painting, if it is a painting. I think they might actually x-ray the sculptures too. They're obviously not gonna x-ray it if it's architecture. Um, and they use infrared and that's how they figure out like what the original composition of the work is. And then from there they can find, um, they can find like the shapes and design that need to be recreated and what's missing and what's there. And then they can, if necessary, find appropriate solvent mixtures to remove discolored varnish layers. That's pretty um, so that would obviously be on either woodwork or 
painting. Um, and then they repair the work. Um, an intermediate coat of varnish is applied to a painting per se to physically separate the new painting from the old and ensure that any future restorations can be done without affecting the work's original layers. Um, the restorer will carefully um, in-paint damaged areas using dry pigment mixed with synthetic, uh, synthetic non-yellowing solvents because that happens, your paper will turn yellow, your paint will turn yellow over time to ensure that a professionally restored work will rarely need further conservation. So um, yeah, so a part of it is them just redoing it, but they have to figure out what it's being, what it was made out of, what time it was made, where exactly do they need to, um, you know, excise what's damaged and then replace it and how do they do that? So I think it's probably a really big problem solving effort and it can talk, it can take like two weeks or it could take months. Um, but the goal is always to have it look almost exactly the same as it did before. So I actually, I knew of the Jesus that looked like a monkey. <laughs> before I've seen images of that, like just scrolling on my Facebook feed, I'm sure you have too, and I'll post them on Instagram. But so I Googled that also to answer that. And apparently our restoration goes poorly a lot of the time. And it, oh, yeah. it seems like a lot of those issues were just like people who kind of volunteered, I can fix it. And we're just Let me not, take a <laughs> we're not up to the job. And they made um, it worse. <laughs> So when Cecilia Jimenez attempted to restore a fresco in her small Spanish town of Borgia in 2012, her work became an international sensation that is now known as Monkey Christ. Hmm. So in 1930, uh, the fresco by Elias Gar Garcia Mart Martinez, um, titled, oh God, it's not, it's not going to, I, here we go. I'm not going to be able to say it. Try um, E C C E. So is it H A or S? I don't. I'm not sure. Yeah, H A Homo, H O M O. Okay. Words. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but there you go. So that was the <laughs> original, and it was created in 1930 by um, Garcia Martinez, and it was then hilariously ruined by an 82-year-old woman um, named Jimenez. Um, she gave the Jesus a blurred chimp-like appearance, um, and local cops initially even suspected that it had been vandalized. It was oh, so shit. bad, um, before <laughs> discovering that Jimenez had just done a poor job, and like, she, was given, <laughs> she was given this job in good faith, that she could complete it, and clearly it didn't work. Um, the fresco fiasco... Um, quickly went viral and people began to refer to um, it, to it as Eche Mano, which means behold the monkey. Um, so and this, this was recently? It was in 2012, so pretty oh. recent. Although the priest initially wanted to cover the painting up, tourists started flocking to the sanctuary and the <laughs> church. Um, so now you can still see like it. Um, more popular than it would have been. Exactly. And now it's even has its own visitor center. Um, <laughs> so I will have to share monkey Christ yeah. with you because, um, sure. when you see it, like y I'm sure you've seen this. So I thought like, that's not quite long enough to make my own topic. I mean, that's not long enough to just be a topic. I probably could have just stopped there, but I didn't want to. 
So I was like, well, what other art stories can I find other than um, the like banana story that I did back, I think it was like in January or December. And <clears throat> I found a list, but I won't say the whole entire list. And it was just of like crazy art history stories um, involving famous artists and famous works of art. Mm -hmm. And it was from this really good um, art education website called The Art of Ed. And it was just 10, uh, 10 of the weirdest art history stories that you need to know. So I didn't do all 10. So for example, Gustav Klimt, um, who is very famous for his painting of The Kiss. And also um, a, a movie recently came out, um, I believe it was called The Lady in Gold and had Ryan Reynolds in it. And it was about Gustav Klimt's painting. <clears throat> was a that sounds movie. familiar. So The Kiss is undoubtedly one of his, Gustav Klimt's most well-known and iconic paintings. Um, both for Klimt and of the 20th century itself, as far as artwork goes. Um, and a lot of people are familiar with it. And when I show it to you, you'll, you'll know what it is. It's a somewhat abstract image of a man and a woman. He's much taller than her. He's leaning over and kissing her. I don't think I've seen very gold because he used a lot of gold leaf. Um, what fewer people know, however, are the stories about uh, the painter himself, Gustave. Um, so for example, Gustav, uh, he really was a big fan of the muumuu. He loved to wear a muumuu with nothing underneath. And that was his uh, favorite clothing attire. We were just talking about house dresses the other day. So Gustav is a man after my own heart, but, um, I do wear underwear. Um, I love a comfortable dress. Who doesn't? Um, and his studio was overrun with cats. He loved cats. Um, so his cats, uh, and his obsession oh, with cats led to him covering the pages of his sketchbooks with cat urine. Oh, come he on. He believed that it was the best fixative available. Um, and the odor was pretty bad. Um, and uh, he destroyed works that would likely be worth millions today also. So he was, he was a little bit Damn, of a because character. Because of the cat um, So someone who I actually didn't know about because I'm not, super familiar with this type of artwork um his he's no longer alive he died in 2015 um chris burden so he is a performance artist and there is a subsect of performance art that is very um interested in um like doing things to themselves that are like really harmful and there's a lot of like really like, famous masochistic. <laughs> yeah there's a lot of really famous they call them like performances or works of art and sometimes they'll recreate them more than once and a lot of times they'll have them filmed and they'll have lots of people around and a lot of times the audience interacts um like the maria abramovich is a very famous um performance artist who also does this and a lot of them are just very 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 life um like they could they could easily die like they could get really hurt so for example chris burden second on the list arranged to have one of his friends shoot him in the arm with a small caliber rifle for one of his performances i mean what wow. kind of friend says sure bud let's do this yeah, like, um, were there, was there any hesitation? And in, in that regard, the guys on the TV show Jackass could easily just be considered that's performance true, that's artists. 
Um, he crucified himself to a Volkswagen. <gasps> he crawled chest on his chest um, over 50 feet of broken glass. Oh. Um, but the craziest one that I think is just the, the one that he probably, aside from being shot in the arm, um, he called the performance Dead Man. I wonder why. And he laid at night in the middle of the street under a tarp, hoping to be run over by a car. That was and his like, performance piece. Does he not care if he lives or dies? I, I, I feel like they're ready to devote their life for to the life. art. And if they were to die during the performance, I think that that would make it like the ultimate, you know, uh, yeah, essentially. I mean, the ti the piece was called Dead Man. So, I mean, almost kind of like, like magicians that have yeah. died over time because they That's were trying crazy. to like escape from things and they've like suffocated and stuff. Um, there is another one, a little more lighthearted, Sandy Skoglund once filled an entire room i mean i'm talking the entire room the floor the wall the ceilings and then um two human figure models um with raw bacon that's um, a lot of bacon <laughs> so skoglin is known for making installations and skoglin decided to create an installation in just one day because of the choice of material which was uncooked bacon and raw ground beef and it filled an entire room, and it smelled. Oh, <laughs> you had to was, clean it up, though. That was just, I don't know. Usually people who are doing things like that have, like, a team. Um, <sighs> so I'm sure the team got, got the short end of the stick. Um, Kai, I'm going to try and pronounce this properly, too. Kai Gu? Kai Gao? Um, C-A-I-G-U-O. Kiang creates artwork with fireworks so that he can talk to aliens. Oh. And I'll have to show you a picture of this too, because this is actually like really cool looking, to be honest. And it kind of almost looks like flying saucers. So um, Kiang is a, is a contemporary artist that sets off explosions with gunpowder, and then they film it and they take photographs of it. Um, and Kiang um, also created the fireworks that were on the display for the 2008 Summer Olympics, the opening oh, wow. ceremony in Beijing. He's, he's hardcore he knows what he's doing yeah so the reason for why pyrotechnics is like his form of artwork is because he believes that this is a way for him to communicate with aliens okay so that was the next on that weird list <laughs> um and then i think i have only one more yes so i have one more um another artist that we're more familiar with andy warhol of course created of course. the campbell soup can and um paintings, silkscreen, images of things like Madonna or Michael Jackson. So there are a lot of great stories about Andy Warhol as well. Um, and one of the best is uh, he owned a mummified foot. So Warhol was kind of like a hoarder and he would fill his properties with stuff. And he created what he called like time capsules, which is essentially just um, yeah. filled mm -hmm. with random objects. <laughs> and um, later on, I believe it was after he died, they found this ancient Egyptian mummified foot, and yeah. no one knows where he got it. <laughs> uh, so that, market. <laughs> that was the that was the end of my of my, of my Wait, topic. So that that guy didn't die. That did the dead man. I'm assuming. 
no, he did not die. I looked up and he did not die from his, from his artwork, um, from what I've been able to find. In fact, I can even double check, but yeah, I mean, he lived pretty long. So he was born in 1946 and then he died in 2015. So he was 69 when he died and he was just like, I mean, I could do a whole topic based on him. Yeah. It's like, okay. So he, he, um, he had melanoma, so that's why he died. So <laughs> surprisingly, uh, it had nothing to do with like natural or, you I know, mean, like who knows, actually, you know, it could have had something to do with his lifestyle. Yeah. Obviously we, we don't know, but like, wow, I'm going to share my screen with you. Obviously the viewers cannot hear advanced or hear. Oh my gosh, I can't even. <laughs> I can't, I can't speak. Or maybe I can't share it with you. I'll just show this to you later. But I'm going to post pictures of um, Klimt, the, the kiss, so that people can know what it looks like. And then I'll do the bacon one and the uh, King fireworks because they're just so, especially these fireworks, they're so interesting to look at. And obviously we're a, a auditory form of art <laughs> um so i want people to be able to understand what it is that i'm talking about but yeah very interesting so there was a whole bunch more on that list but um uh i i searched long and hard for like art related <laughs> art related topics i mean i looked up um everything you could possibly think of from um art restoration art heist I mean, oh, yeah. like all kinds of things, um, and that was that was my that was my jumbled art related topic. <laughs> it was good. Right. Yeah, I knew nothing about art restoration, or knew nothing about art restoration. So, so hopefully, I answered Richard's question, and hopefully, you guys will send in your tidbits as well there is another email in there that i'm going to probably answer for next time um when we turn the ripe old age of 41 yeah but this wow. was enough <laughs> <laughs> well i'm glad that we're getting emails keep sending your emails everyone yes send our, send your emails to um the part i don't get at gmail.com and it doesn't have to be a question it can always be a comment and we'll read it um on the air if you want to um, and, or you can do Facebook message or anything, and then we'll give you a shout out. Um, Facebook is, this is the part I don't get. And Instagram is, this is the part I don't get. And look at Instagram for pictures of those works of art and some images for Jay's topic as well. Right. Yeah, mine are, I feel like mine are always hard to find pictures for, cause it's, I don't know. Just gotta keep me on my toes. Not as visual. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, everyone have a great night. Bye-bye. Two weeks.